Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We spent quite a bit of time here as we've, we've been going through our first year uh, at one chapel. It's really amazing to see the, the things that God has done in people's lives, people coming to Christ. Many, many de-churched and disenfranchised people. De-churched people are people who've had an experience with church, but it's, it's been bad. And so they, they, they feel badly about church, and so they, they don't want to go to church. But they come to a movie theater church hoping that it'll be different. And it has been everything that I could do to make sure that they're right, that it's different from what they experienced last uh, and, and the hurt that they've experienced. And so it's so important for us to look back upon our year and celebrate what Jesus has done. A year ago, just a, a year ago today, we were getting ready for our first practice service in this theater. And we sat all up here and, um, and all the whole team sat in this section and there was nobody up there. And uh, I just want this section to turn around and look at that section. Yeah, you guys, look at look at them. Look at this. Isn't that amazing? Aren't, isn't that awesome? Look at all the, the, all these people that God has added to one chapel. And not only has He added people, but He's doing things in their lives. I was uh, I was moving my parents uh, into their new place uh, yesterday, and um, I am I am getting too old to do that for sure. Um, but I, but I was with Dan Elzey, and uh, we were we were working with a bunch of young guys, making all the young guys do the hard stuff. And uh, and Dan Elzey has had back trouble, and uh, he's in right today. I think he's over in Biggs in the elementary class, and he's leading those kids. But Dan, I said, uh, you better be careful with your back. You know the way it is, because he's had real trouble. He said, you know what? That all has gone away. They went and took the took the pictures of my back. We started praying. I got more pictures taken by the next doctor, and he said, there's nothing wrong. Everything's okay. He had, a, like, a herniated disc. He said, Every, all your discs are lined up, everything in between, uh, whatever that jelly stuff is in between. Anyway, all those are all, it all looks perfect. And that, my friends, is a healing miracle that happened in his life. We ought to thank God for that. <laughs> it's so funny. The guy got healed. Oh, that's really nice. That's really great. It's, so it's like it's like this is incredible. If that happened to you, you'd be like, <laughs> now Dan's a little more reserved, so he doesn't do that anyway, no matter what. But, but um. But I just think it's so important for us to rehearse those stories, to remember what Jesus is doing among us by putting us together as a family, and seeing the the vision that begins to to be put together as more and more people are added to what Jesus is doing at one chapel. I came to Austin, Texas, not knowing exactly what would happen, but I believed in my heart. I had a vision. I saw people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, coming to Christ. I saw hundreds and hundreds of people using their gifts and their talents to serve other people. I saw hundreds and hundreds of people, even thousands of them, influencing the city of Austin in their workplace or at their school or in, in their families, in their extended families and their friends. I saw them doing the work of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in this city and sharing their lives with others. And the amazing, amazing thing is it continues to happen. We're a year in and God has blessed us. And we've been at this movie theater 
for a year. These, the, these people at this movie theater have been such a blessing to us. And we're so, I'm so grateful for this place and uh, for AMC movie theaters and for this particular theater at Barton Creek Square because um, we've seen God do some crazy things. People walking across, you know, uh, as they're going to see a movie and saying, what is this in here? What, what's going on? And wandering in and then starting to come to church. We've, I, I, I've seen people, I, I, I think maybe I told you this recently, but I, I was out in the lobby, I was meeting people, and this lady came out, and she met me, she came out of church, and she, I said, so uh, how long have you been going to one chapel? She said, this is my first day. She's like, I, went, I was in this movie over here, and it was a terrible movie, it was pitiful. And so I just, I just heard that you guys were having church over here, so I left that movie, and I came to have church with you, and this is so wonderful. And I just think that kind of stuff is so much fun. Well, here's what happened. Uh, because we've grown, we, uh, <laughs> we, we, fill up, we fill up this room a couple of times, fill up three other theaters and with kids, and then we, um, and then we, go, we spill out into the hallway, and we clog up that theater, and uh, clog up that, that lobby area. And people trying to come to movies. And it's so fun because people who are coming to movies, they come up to our coffee carts and they like to get free coffee and then they go to their movie, which is exactly as it should be, right? It's so wonderful. So I've loved it, but you can tell the time is coming to an end. You can look around this room and tell that this room is not going to hold who Jesus is trying to add to our church. And we shouldn't begrudge the fact that Jesus is trying to add people to us. I know some of you came here and you said, I, I'm looking for a little small place where I can connect. I don't, you know, I wholeheartedly agree. Every person's got to connect. But the truth is, if Jesus is adding people to us, we need to be good stewards of what he's given us. And we need to take care of them. We need to disciple. We need to train. We need to encourage. And we need to release them to start using what God put inside of them. And so moving people from where they are to where Jesus wants us to be, that's what One Chapel's doing. And so, um, so, so the movie theater, you know, they, they, they have really not liked us over the last several weeks um, in a way because we've just, we're just making it uncomfortable out there, uncomfortable for moviegoers and that kind of thing. In fact, the general manager said to us one time, he said, he's, just a few weeks ago, he said, you know, it's kind of like a... It's kind of like a church where they're showing some movies <laughs> rather than a movie theater that has a church in it. And I thought, yeah, that's awesome. That's exactly what it should be. But what, but, but what I realize is, is they want to show movies, uh, not have church. And so they, as we came up to uh, signing the lease for this next year, they wanted us to give up a movie theater, and they wanted us to give up an hour. And so they wanted to move us into a, a smaller theater. So that's prompted us starting to look and figuring out what are we going to do next? What is the next location that God wants to use to launch people into ministry in Austin, in this city, and to see his kingdom come and his will be done? we got to start looking for that. So we started looking, and um, here's, I want to give you the update, all right? So, so you know kind of what's happening. Number one, I want you to know that we can be in this theater for as long as we need to be. 
um, the arrangements for the, the lease. You sign up for a year lease, but you can get out in 45 days. That's the, that's the way it works. Now, because of the current situation with our theater, we can probably get out in a few weeks early uh, than six weeks. All right. So, so, so we will at some point say, all right, we've secured a location, and we're going to move on such and such a date, and this is the Sunday we're going to do it. This will be our first Sunday in the new, new location. So that's what's coming. And until then, we can be in this theater. We just won't be in this particular theater. We'll be moved over to theater three, four, and five. So we'll go from four theaters to three. And I'm, I'm trying to negotiate with the movie theater to let us keep our times right now to, so that we can still get out at 1.30 and we can have our beautiful, wonderful hour and a half services. Um, if not, we'll have to do something else, figure something else out. Because I don't want to change times another time before we get to a new location. I, I want to I try to keep that as smooth as possible. So we're going we're gonna to move over at some point. The, the date of moving over will be October 2nd. First Sunday in October, we'll move over here, and we'll be in Theater 3. Now, it's not as bad as you would imagine. This theater has 297 seats. That theater has 269, so that's about 30 less. Um, but it has a bigger stage area, and so it looks like we'll probably be able to use the front row uh, in that theater. And uh, that'll be lots of fun. That's a major spit zone right there. And so, and so we'll, we'll make up some of the seats there. Um, but then we'll put two, we'll have two movie theaters for kids. And so we'll split up littles and tinies. Bigs will have their own, littles and tinies will kind of go into one theater. And we'll kind of squeeze for a month or two while we figure this out, all right? If that's what happens. If that's uh, how things work. But what's happened is we've looked for a bunch of places um, we've looked at places where you have to build the whole thing out. Uh, crazy expensive to do that at this particular stage in the life of our church. Um, we've looked at places that are a little bit more ready-made. Uh, there's a couple places like that we've looked at. Uh, we've looked at weekend venues uh, like the movie theater that are, that are bigger. Uh, well, actually, we haven't found any that are bigger. We've found some of that are the same size. And uh, what we need is about 400 seats. Uh, to kind of go to the next, we need at least 400 seats, it seems like to me, to go to the next place and to see people added. So um, we haven't been able to find those kinds of auditoriums in Southwest Austin. There's not many of them in the first place. Bowie High School has a, a big um, theater area, but they've had a church in there for almost 10 years. I think Fellowship Church has been in there doing great, having church in there for 10 years. That's the, just kind of how they function. They office in a separate place. So there's no telling what exactly is going to happen as one chapel sort of launches into the fall and finds a location. I mean, we, we may end up at some point in the future back at a weekend location where we're setting up and tearing down and doing all that stuff. Uh, it just, whatever we, whatever we need to do is what we'll do. Here's what I know. If every one of us will just be obedient to just tithe, you don't have to, you know, we're not going to do some big campaign. We're not going to raise a bunch of money. We're not going to do all that. We, if we just tithe, if we just give out of what God's given to us, we can do really almost anything that we need to do. It all works out okay. And so um, just to encourage you to participate kind of in the vision, in the, in the direction. Uh, so we've kind of zeroed in on, on one space. And uh, we're negotiating that space now. If you want to know where, do you want to know where that space is? Nah, you, you don't, you know, I'll have to tell you later. Really? 
Okay, I'll tell you where I'll tell you where I think we're I'll tell you where I think we're heading. It's not done yet, the negotiations aren't finished, but it's about four minutes from here. So if you keep going down one, you'd turn on two ninety and it's right there, the first exit. It's near Monterey Oaks, if you know where that cross street is, 290 and Monterey Oaks. It's on the north side of 290. It's a, the, it's a commercial office complex actually called Monterey Oaks. And so, uh, so there's a space in there. A church was using it, and they moved on to another location, and that opened up that space. And so we're a little bigger than that church is right now. And so we're, we'd have to you know, push down some walls and tear out some ceilings and reconfigure, but it's about... It's, it's about 9,000, 10,000 square feet of space that we would lease full time. So we would have it all through the week. We could do tag student ministries on Wednesday nights. We could do other meetings that we need to do there, men's meetings, ladies' meetings, things like that. Um, how many of you have ever been to the family room? Raise your hand if you've been to the family room. It's a great place, isn't it? I'm so grateful for Larry and Suzanne Foster who have uh, really allowed us to, to rent super cheap from that. And... Uh, but, uh, and we won't give that up. Uh, we'll continue to work out of there. We'll continue to have smaller meetings. And we'll, if this works out, what will happen is we'll have two uh, campuses that will be working sort of together. And uh, we'll be scheduling them um, together for different events and things like that. But um, we think that this space could handle uh, about 500 seats. So we would increase by 200 the seats in this auditorium. It would have plenty of space. It would have actually permanent space for kids. It's a major upgrade for kids because um, even though our team does an incredible job of making a sticky, nasty movie theater really wonderful for kids, it's hard work, and it's, it's not pretty in there. This gives us a chance to do all kinds of stuff. We would lease it. We're working on the term of the lease. We're working on uh, what it's going to cost us to lease it, all that, but we're, but we're kind of working towards that location. And so you can pray about that. You can pray for God to give us wisdom, uh, for those negotiations to go well, and for us to find what Jesus wants to do with us, the location where he wants us to be to launch more and more ministry into this city. Now, um, as, I began, as I've begun to think about this, as I began to think about it, uh, it kind of messed with me a little bit. <laughs> Because as you start thinking about going to your, the next season as a church, you know, when, you're, when your kind of mind is blown by getting, getting to a, a, an attendance level of 600 in your first year, which is essentially what's happened to us. We have about a 600 attendance level. And so the question is, what does that mean for the next year? What does that mean for year two and year three? And what does that look like? And how, how does that work exactly in a church? Could we... Would, could it be possible that we'd grow another 600 in year two? And I think if we, had, if, we had a, if we had a setting of 500 seats and then 100 kids in kids' uh, rooms, we could, we could have 600 um, people attending one service, roughly. So we're going we're gonna to start with two services, obviously, and then we could grow to a third. And by the third year, if we grew another 600 people in that year, we would end up with three services of 600 people. All right, but so that made me, I, I kind of made me go crazy. I was starting to think, well, what is, what is this? What is this we've gotten ourselves into? <laughs> I've stirred all these people up, and what are we doing here? 
and it just caused a moment of reflection, a moment to pause and to look back at, at the vision that God gave me and gave a team of people who came here uh, a year and a half ago to see what Jesus wanted to do and ask the question, Jesus, how do you want us to proceed? What, do you, what kind of church do you want us to be? Here's the big question. What kind of church are we going to be? What kind of church are we? What does God want to do with us? As I've thought about that and prayed about that, I mean, I, d- I don't want a perfect church, right? <laughs> There's no way, no way it works to have a perfect church. As soon as you come, it's not perfect anymore. So it's, it's, we don't want a perfect church. Um, I, don't, I don't want a church that turns into a machine that eats people up and kind of spits them out. I don't, I, I, I'm not the kind of pastor that can say that everything is great all the time. <laughs> I'm not that guy. <laughs> everything is fantastic. I'm just, I'm sort of wired differently. So I, as I've thought about that question, what kind of church are we and what kind of church does God want us to be, more importantly? Are we going to be a big church? I think we probably are, but that shouldn't be our, necessarily our goal. I really believe that God is interested in numbers. There's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. <laughs> He's interested in more and more people coming to know who He is. He's interested in more marriages being healed. He's interested in more families being put back together. He's interested in hearts and emotions being put back together after being bruised and beaten by life disappointment, struggle. He wants people to realize who they are and who he's called them to be. Yeah, we're interested in more and more people coming to that awareness, coming to a knowledge of who Jesus is. There's no doubt about it, but here's the bottom line. I want to be, I don't care what size we end up being, and we, I believe we're going to end up planning a church at some moment, at some point, There's going to be other ways that we're going to expand ministry out into the city because we're not just interested in what goes on here. As you you think about a new new building and more seats, I don't want to just fixate on what happens inside the building. I want to continue to be consumed with what goes on from that building. I want to see people go outside of that building and into their daily lives, carrying the light of the gospel into their workplaces and into their schools. I want to see God using people the way he created them, the talents he gave them, the gifts he's given them, and I want to see them using them in their, in their daily life. Not just at the church, but in their life as a whole. Bottom line is I want to be a real church. I want to be a real church. Well, what's a real church, you say? A real church is where people are being changed. A real church is where people are being transformed. A real church is where people are living in community with one another. A real church is where people allow others access to their lives. And they give and they surrender to other people who will speak into their lives. A real church is a place where God is active and working in people 
changing their minds, changing their point of view. A real church is where God is moving people from where they are to where he wants them to be. We can never give up on that. Mark 12, 28 through 30. If you want to just turn there, I told you to turn to Acts 2, but if we go to Mark 12, 28, here's what it says. I could just tell you the story. Jesus is being asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he, and, and he says, the greatest, of, the greatest commandment, he says, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That, he's quoting Deuteronomy 6. He's quoting the Torah, and he says, Hero, and everybody would have known what that means. Hero is the Lord our God, and he is the only one. And then he said, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he said, and love your neighbor as yourself, which is Leviticus 19.18. When it comes down to it, we've got to make sure that we are being really good at teaching people how to love God and teaching one another how to love our neighbors. At the end of the day, that is what we have to be great at. And I believe, here's what I believe, God will give us as many people as will be good stewards to teach them that. If we, if we stop teaching them to do that well, we won't get more people. Now, I believe that as we look at what, who we are as a church, you've seen the, the, the ideas, these principles that guide us. And I just want to talk about them for a second. The principles that guide us, presence-based. Presence-based, what does that mean? That means we believe that God is present among us. We believe that God is dwelling in his people and he dwells among us. Hey, not just when we come here and worship, but he dwells among us as we leave this place. He dwells inside each one of us. The scripture is very clear. It says that you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells with his people. Jesus, his name was called Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus has come among his people. And then Jesus sent his spirit to live inside of us. God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, he lives here. He breathes in us. He gives us light. He gives us ideas. He gives us direction. He lives. God lives inside of you and me. That's what defines us as a church. Church isn't about duty. It's not about obligation. It's not about giving in the offering. It's not about any of those things. It's not about doing the right thing. It's about God dwelling in you. And that's not just about what we do here with great music and, and a huge screen with stuff going all crazy on it. It's not just about that. It's about you taking God and letting him spill out of you at work and at school and in your family and with your friends and in your neighborhood. That's what this is about. Relationally, relationally driven. Presence-based and relationally driven. That essentially means we're just, we, everything we do is about relationships. Everything, every, con, every bit of ministry is a conduit that only happens through relationships. And I'm not just talking about ministry here in this church. I'm talking about building relationships with people outside this church. I'm talking about belonging to a community where you're becoming the light and you're developing relationships. All ministry happens with relationships. Relationships are the key to God speaking into people's lives. There's no way around it. 
He, he, <clears throat> he has put us together with a group of people. He has put us together with a body of believers. Other people don't want to hear anything we have to say until they know that we really love them. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow into him. We'll become mature believers. Ephesians 4.15 is a cornerstone scripture of one chapel. And it has to do with relationships. Some people, they just want to tell you the truth. Man, I just want to tell you the truth. You just need to hear the truth, man. Let me tell you, you need to hear it. No love. Other people, they just want to be like, Man, I just love you. You know, I just, just think you're awesome. You're so awesome. Oh, come here, give me a hug. <laughs> but then they never get around to telling them the truth that will help change their lives. You can't have truth or love. You have to have truth and love pushing together in relationships. That creates transformation in people's lives. That's why I want to challenge every single one of you to join a small group, a connect group. You cannot be isolated. You cannot be disconnected and see transformation in your life. You can't learn, follow me, you can't learn how to love God better unless you're willing to learn with others. You're not going to learn how to love each other unless you go through the difficult process of dealing with people who you don't really like. I'm not saying you have to live all your spare time with people you don't really like, but you have to be with people enough to see iron sharpening iron, to see God doing something in your life as you interact with other people. That's how he does it. That's how he works. In fact, what you see in 1 John, wow, this sermon's really going off track now. 1 John chapter, five, chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3 teaches us that we can't really love God unless we understand how to love people. That God's love teaches us how to love one another, and as we love one another, we learn more about God. That's how it works. Are you tracking with me? He, says, he said, it's impossible to love God and hate your brother. That doesn't work. One of my favorite passages is that chapter 4, verse 12. It says, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. <gasps> so it says, nobody's ever seen God. You can't see him. You don't know what he looks like. But the way you figure it out, the way he reveals himself to you is you love each other. And then God starts living in you and you start seeing, for, seeing him for who he really is. We got to be good at that. And you can only do that in a smaller group than this. I know I'm an awesome preacher. But here's the thing. At One Chapel, we believe our church has got to grow larger and smaller at the same time. At One Chapel, we believe our church must grow larger and smaller at the same time because that's where the work is done. As it grows and it expands, God's going to give us people. He's going to add people to us. We just have to do a good job with them and help them understand what Jesus wants out of them and how he wants to work in their lives. And that happens in a smaller group. So you've got presence-based, relationally driven, and mission-focused. Can you see how all three of these, mission-focused, we are see everything through this lens of God's mission that he's trying to reach other people. Presence of God is not just for you. It's for you to carry around so that others can see it. 
Relationships are not just supposed to, you're not just supposed to kind of cloister yourself into a little group of people that are Christians and live in a bubble and become spiritual navel gazers. I just like using that word. It's just a fun word to know and tell. Spiritual navel gazers. Gazing in your navel. Okay, never mind. So you can't just look at yourself. You have to realize you're on mission. We're here in this city for a purpose and a reason. God's mission is moving forward. And the best way that you understand who you are is by engaging in that mission. You begin to be, be defined by what God's put in you and using your gifts and using your talents. Look, every person in this auditorium, if you will use the gift that God gave you and the talent that he gave you and the resources that he's given you to engage in this mission, you'll find the greatest fulfillment of your life. God's kingdom will come to you in a new way and it'll come to the people that you're sharing his life with. In fact, God has a calling on every one of you. He's got a calling on every person in Austin. Today, there are people doing all kinds of stuff in the city of Austin. God's calling is on them. They just don't know it yet. They don't know what they're made for. They don't know their purpose yet. We've got to be about the business of helping each other discover our purpose, discover what God wants to do with us, and then go and do what he wants us to do. And so... It, look, look at this, four aspects of people's lives. If you think about people in general, here's the way they live. They live with four different aspects, and you see it. The arena, the arena. People live in this arena. It's like a public arena, all right? And this is I know and you know what's going on. I kind of see what's, who you are as you project to me, and you see who I am, and we, kinda, we both know what's going on. There's the, the, other, arena, the other part of our lives the other aspect would be the mask. People put on a mask. And this is, I know, but you don't know. I know what's going on inside me, but I don't want to let anybody else know. I want to hide it. I want to wear the mask. Some people wear the mask to church. Hi. How you doing? Great. It's awesome. I'm blessed. Listen. You have to find ways to take off the mask so that other people can speak into your life. You can receive what Jesus wants to give you. I know it's scary. It's, sometimes it feels dangerous. Sometimes you, have to, you feel like you're risking rejection. But the truth of the matter is, is that the deep work, the significant work, the long-lasting work that God wants to do in our lives happens when we let somebody else see behind the mask. Then there's this thing called the blind spot. And this is, this, is not, uh, this is not I know you, but you don't know. It says, I don't know, but you know. <laughs> you know what's wrong with me. You're like seeing it, and I'm like, I'm clueless. <laughs> All of us have this blind spot. There's, there's, this, there's this thing that's going on in our lives, and we need help. We need people to help us see the blind spot. We need somebody who will come where, to where we are and work with us and walk with us and put a mirror Right here and right here. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's really sticking up bad back there, isn't it? <laughs> We've got to be able to let other people show us and share with us our blind spots. And then finally, there's the potential the aspect of lives. The potential, which is, I don't know, and you don't know. Only God knows what your great potential is. 
Only God knows what can happen. And what this process is, is discovering that potential. Sharing together in a, in a connect group is discovering the potential that lives inside of the people in that living room. Now, I want you to notice this. All four of these things, one of them happens on Sunday morning. The rest all happen in connect groups. You see what I mean? The arena is, ends up being this location, and we're going to do our best. We're going to celebrate together. We're going to worship God together. We're going to teach the scriptures. We're going we're to do what God wants to do among us while we're here as we exalt him and look up to him, and this is kind of what defines us. We're all part of this community, but what's got to happen is we all have to engage in these smaller, more intimate settings to make sure that our growth is not wasted. I mean my, our growth as a church. If more and more people come, we got to make sure there's a pathway for them to develop as a disciple. And that happens in a connect group or it happens in team one. I want you to say these two words with me. Say connect group. Say team one. These are the two places. These are the first stops. If you look at square one, square one is where we kind of help people understand who we are as a church. That Everybody needs to go through that. But our goal is going to be to make sure that people are connecting in connect groups and that they're engaged in using, in team one, using their gifts and using their talents, using what God gave them to serve other people. Something happens in discipling when you use your gift to serve other people, when you learn how to serve. Now listen, every connect group is not going to be people sitting in an, uh, 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 their own living room studying the priestly order of Melchizedek. Although, that's exactly what, uh, there was one group on Hebrews, that, and they got together and they started studying the book of Hebrews, and it was a fantastic study. So some of you really need that. Others of you are like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> And that's okay. We need connect groups of every stripe, color, and texture. Because that's what, that's what the way we're made. We're not made into a cookie cutter format to be the church. I want you to be the church, not just here when we gather together. I want you to be the church out there. But that means there's tons of people out there, tons of people who are joining us who need different things. There's no way for us all to do the same thing. We've got to be able to do what God put inside of us and then use that. Now listen to me. Use what God gave you then to minister to others. And that's going to be different for all of you. I'm not trying to put you into, a, into some kind of mold. I want you to use what God put inside of you. Now look, okay, last, last thing we got to do, we got to read Acts chapter 2. Here we go, Acts chapter 2. <laughs> hey, I quoted some other scripture. Here we go, Acts 2.42, here's what it says. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I want you to see the components of a connect group based on this scripture. I want you to see the original recipe of the first century church where 3,000 were added in one day. And then several thousand after that. Listen, look at me, look at me. It's possible God could add 1,000 people to us. What would you do if God added 1,000 people to, to us? You'd have to do a better job at leading. You'd have, to, you'd have to connect in a group. 
You'd have to make sure that we put people where they need to be to discover who God is in them. Some of you are sitting here and you're not, you kind of want to lead, but your life is so segmented and you're so busy and you're so consumed, you just can't make a priority out of it. Oh, you're missing out. You're missing out on what God wants to do inside of you. Some of you are like, I, I just, I want to go to a connect group. I really think it's important, but your life is just out of control. You're just going this way and that way and, and you can't f- discipline yourself to belong to a group of people who will really know you. Now, you're missing, you're missing out. Now, others, others of you, your life is going on and you have a circle of people. You have a circle of friends. You know what this circle of friends you're already engaging with? Now, here's the difference between what I think about connect groups and what lots of other churches or maybe what you've experienced in the past. I want to come alongside you. I don't want you to stop doing what you're doing if you're ministering to people and connecting with them. I don't want you to stop doing what you're doing and come and do what I'm doing. That, that doesn't make sense. I want to come alongside you and I want to empower you and equip you and release you to continue to do what God has made you for, but I just want you to make it more intentional. I want you to form a group out of any number of things that you're involved in. I mean, you look, you're going to look across the landscape of one chapel over the next few years and you're going to see groups of every kind. Bible groups, you're going to see recreation groups, you're going to see all kinds of stuff. Here, look at these. I don't, you, don't, you won't write this down. But I want you to see this. Here's the kind of groups that we're going to have. Things we want to learn. Topical Bible studies, book studies gr- types of groups. Things we want to learn. We've got to learn something. We've got to grow. Things we need right now. Seasonal stage of life groups. You think about the people that are raising teenagers. Some of them just need to get together and cry with one another. Sometimes you just need, based on your season of life, you need to be able to to get support in an area of your life. You need to learn about it. You need to grow in it. You need it right now. Some groups are going to be about things we love to do, things we love to do. Now, here's why I believe this. It's because I don't believe that people are actually discipled until they've surrendered their hobbies, until they've surrendered their interests. And I'll use the perfect example, and that is if you own a boat, you got to decide if you own the boat or the boat owns you. And being a disciple means you own the boat and you're going to use it however Jesus wants you. Does that make sense? So, so the, the, these things that, that, that own us, this process of discipleship is laying them down and lo- letting, letting them go. I think people could do any number of things with the gifts and the talents and the resources that they have. The guy with the boat, he could have a, 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 a meeting on that boat every week for 12 weeks, food, prayer, sharing together what Jesus is doing. That's the group I want to go to. <laughs> what do you think about that? Some guys are going to get together and they're going to play volleyball. Here's, here's the two requirements for connect groups, all right? You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be the kind of person that's going to, uh, like, knows the Bible backwards and forwards. You, you just have to have this fellowship, the breaking of bread, prayer, the apostles teaching, encouraging each other with what the apostles have taught us. If you read the scripture and you look at it, here's the four things we're going to do. Acts 2.42, we're going to learn together. We're going to share together. We're going to eat together. We're going to pray together. 
I want you to do it out there. I don't want us just to do it in here. I want to fuel the fire that God's put in you to use what you've been given to, to share it with other people. I want to empower you, and I want to equip you, and I want to encourage you. Do what God's put in you to do. You have the idea. Listen, I'm the, I'm the pastor of this church. I'm the lead pastor of this church. There are other pastors with us, but I'm the lead pastor. If I have to come up with every idea about how to reach Austin, we're in big trouble. That's, it's just not going to work. You have dreams and visions inside of you. God wants to give you something that I would never think of. And he wants to put us together as a team, and he wants to cause us to be able to accomplish more than any of us could do on our own. That's what has to happen. And as we go to the next facility, as we look at the next place and look at, you know, three services or four services or loading up uh, on this uh, 500-seat auditorium, great. But we got to make sure we're a real church. Are you with me? Thank you. Father, thank you so much for your kindness. Thank you so much for your, your illumination, the light of your word, how it comes into us and it gives us revelation. Father, I pray that you would challenge each one of us to do what you've given us to do, to use what you've placed in our hands, that we would share with others, that we wouldn't be afraid, that we wouldn't live in fear of letting others in, that we would obey your word and connect. Lord, would you teach us what you're doing with one chapel as we grow and as we mature, as we go to the next year and the next year after that. Father, I pray that you would make us a healthy church, a real church, a church that's consumed with the mission, a church that is interested in relationships and what you're doing in other people, and a church that is consumed with the presence of God who lives inside of us. Would you give us the grace to do this, Lord? Help us to be good stewards. Help us to be the people you want us to be. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want you really looking around. If you are here, and as we've been talking and as the worship has happened in the room and you sense that Jesus is calling you, you need to renew your commitment to him because you've been away from him. Or, or maybe, maybe you're here for the first time and you really don't know this Jesus I'm talking about. You, you haven't been introduced to church as relationship. You've only known church as religion. It's been something you've rejected but you're here this morning and you sense and you feel something different and you're wanting to respond to that, you need to give your life to Christ. You need to give everything over to God. Ultimately, finally, surrender. And if you're here and you, you sense that, you, you think you need to make a declaration, I don't want to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. All I want you to do is I want you to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, what God is saying to you. He's saying, come, follow me. Come, I have plans and purposes for you that you don't know anything about. I can use you. I can do what I want to do with you, and you will be so fulfilled. He's calling you to himself, and if you need to make a commitment to him, or maybe renew your commitment to follow him, to give your life to him. I just want you to shoot your hand up in the air right now, all over the room. Yep, I see you. I see you over here. Anybody up here? Yep, I see you up there. Yep, two, three, four, five. 
That's so good. Anybody else? This is your moment to commit to Christ, to say yes to you, God. Anybody else? Yep, I see you. All right, yeah, I see you up here. I want you all to pray with me. We say things we don't mean way too often, but this, it's not the words to the prayer that makes such a difference. It's what you believe in your heart. And so I'm gonna pray with you. I want you to pray with me all across the room. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say these words out loud together. Everybody in this auditorium, say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me for my sins, for my failures, for my foolishness. I need you. Come into my life. I believe in the work of Christ. I believe in what he did at the cross. I receive forgiveness now. Make me a new person. Change my direction. Help me to follow you in every way, in every area of my life, to give everything to you. I receive it now. I receive your forgiveness and I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Father, thank you for speaking into the hearts of people. Would you seal it now by the Holy Spirit? Would you cause them to be protected from the schemes of the enemy and continue to help them as they follow after you, as they chase after you? Would you grab a hold of them? Would you sweep them up in your arms and would you continue to carry them to where they need to be in you? Father, thank you for this all you're doing in us. In Jesus' name, amen.